take a girl and a guy and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy. Welcome back to another episode of Couples Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Check us out online at couplesynergy.com and be sure to subscribe to our podcast or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couples Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experiences working with thousands of couples for over 15 years. You know, everyone says you need to work on a relationship, but nobody teaches us how. So we've created this podcast to teach people what they can do to create the relationship they've always dreamed of with the partner they fell in love with. In this episode, Gene and I will be talking about the topic of intimacy. The topic nobody wants to talk about, but everyone wants to hear about. And, you know, to clarify, I think that people have this connotation with intimacy or the word intimacy with sex. Right. And that is not what we are talking about. Mm -hmm. It's a part. Right. You know, I, I think that we've been together 21 years married, 22 years as a couple. And it's amazing the developmental stages that you go through with your intimacy, you know, with, with your connection where sometimes life gets very overwhelming and gets in the way of any type of connection. And then there's other times you have too much or you're arguing about things. But, you know, where we are, our kids been gone for three years mm-hmm. and we have lots of time together. We have privacy. <laughs> That's yeah. a really big one, you know, if you're worried about people hearing you or not. And so I think it's greatly enhanced our connection in a way that we've never had. So if you guys are, you know, got little kids or in the tough stages of life, hang in there. It gets way better as you get older. To add to that, I I think we also have spent a lot of time and energy on our emotional connection. And, And that is why, you know, our physical connection also has kind of blossomed since becoming empty nesters. But I think that men out there have a fallacy that if they're having sex in their marriage, that the marriage is okay. And that's not necessarily the truth. Right. We we have met a lot of couples who, you know, have a lot of red flags and yellow flags going on in their relationship and they are having sex. Yeah, really great sex. Right. Because there's so so much of a lack of safety in the relationship that it's almost like this desperate when they're having sex, everything's great. And when, when they're not, they're usually fighting. Right. And it, it is their way of actually trying to, you know, stay connected to each other. But the emotional connection is not there. Right. It's just volatile. And men do have a, a fallacy that thinking that sex is the way to become emotionally close to their partner. I think that is just how men are taught. Right. And society and the media kind of reinforce that. However, emotional closeness, it requires a level of vulnerability. Right. Right. Where men do need to kind of drop their guard. They need to be able to share with their partner. They need to be able to open up, you know, and communicate their feelings about things, which is not something that comes very easy for men and is not really taught 
as well. In fact, the opposite is taught that vulnerability equals weakness. Right. Right. That you're showing your weakness to another person. You know, I think that the times that I have felt the closest with you is when we've had some of those really deep conversations, about, especially about things that might hurt you or things that hurt me. Right. And we share at that really deep level. And then that heart connection is there first. And then the physical connection becomes <laughs> the cherry on top so to speak, it becomes the making love versus having sex. Right, right. right. You know, for women, you know, our hormones are always, you know, a backseat driver of our lives. And, you know, at, at the time in life when a couple comes together, we have these lovely hormones, all these endorphins going on that, you know, we don't care if we sleep, we don't care if we eat. You know, and so it's easy to have sex then. It's so easy to have that energy and you're spending all this time getting to know your partner. And that period of time lasts that romance phase between, you know, nine months to two years. And then for most couples, something typical is you get pregnant somewhere along the way. They start having children, right? Yeah. And that changes things a lot. I think when a when a woman gets pregnant, it's very scary to watch your body change and this part of you that you kind of had this connection and power with of being a sexual person, you have to turn into a <laughs> blob, so to speak. A, a vessel? Yes. It's a better word, you're, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're a host to something else, which is super cool and, and an awesome experience, but it makes it I think it takes a toll on your intimacy. Your your body's being used for something else. And it's the same parts of your body where you give birth from or you nurture children from. And the crazy hormones that you go through and, and the busyness. And I, and I think that's probably a huge shift we see with intimacy across the board with couples is, you know, when that baby comes. For men, I think they go through a selfish phase, right? Where you had your partner's undivided attention and connection, emotional, physical, you know, and you were a couple. And then now you have a child and the child, you know, deservingly gets majority of the attention, you know, because the child needs that. But now you're standing on the sidelines. Yeah. I mean, you literally have to share your wife's body with another human being. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right? Yeah. And then, you know, women are natural nurturers. So this whole time in the relationship, she's focused all on him. And now she's got to focus on this baby. And it's it's a very different type of bonding with a baby as with your partner. Right. And it's it's easier because your baby doesn't reject you. Right. Which is, you know, what men are feeling at that time. Right. This feeling of rejection and abandonment. Right. And so now their emotional needs are not being taken care of. And it kind of sounds bad when I'm saying this out loud. You know, their yeah. emotional needs are not being taken care of, but it, it is a need. It is necessary in a relationship. And so now comes the balancing act that we've talked about in other podcasts, you know, that couples need to be able to balance their co parenting relationship with their intimate couple relationship. You know, just the fact that you said that it is, you, you feel bad saying this out loud, 
Well, yeah. I mean, if you're a guy and you watch your wife go through nine months of pregnancy and childbirth and taking care of a baby, how selfish does that sound? Where's mine? But it's so true. And you guys got to talk about that. Couples, you have to say those ugly things out loud. Right. Because if you don't, those needs don't go away. They go somewhere else. And, you know, I think that's another part of the developmental stages for women is that we get concerned that we're not going to be giving enough. And so we tend to have sex when we don't want to. And for that reason is we don't want our partner going somewhere else. And what that does over time is depletes you. It depletes you because you're already overwhelmed to begin with. And you're spending your day, you know, going to work, taking care of a house, taking care of kids. And none of that is very sexy. You know, when you were a single person or didn't have kids, you probably, you know, got to take a bath and take three hours to get ready and do all your makeup and go shopping and buy a cute outfit. (laughs) And now all your clothes have, you know, baby spit up on them or whatever. (laughs) You know, it's really hard to to shift. And, And there's no space for that and the overwhelmment of it all. And so that depletion over time, I think you get to a place where you're finally like, you know what? I can't keep giving to you in this way because I'm not filled up myself and there's no space for me to fill up. And so then I think there a stalemate sort of happens sexually. Well, on the flip side, I was going to say that men don't want their wives to just have sex with them just out of pity. They want that emotional, intimate connection with, with their wives. And so what happens is, you know, that stalemate you're talking about, it's never enough. Right. Right. It's never going to satisfy, you know, the man because it's not that that level of connection, you know, that maybe they once had, right? right? Yeah, and and now it just feels like a chore. You know, one of the things that if it for the guys out there that are feeling that, you know, your your wife doesn't have as much time or energy for you, why don't you take the kids, take them for a day? four hours, six hours, give her some downtime, give her some alone time. And then after that, hopefully you can get a babysitter and go out for dinner or spend some quality time together and rejuvenate some of that energy and that closeness. I think that's kind of scary for a lot of men, you know, especially if they've been feeling like they're standing on the sidelines and kind of watching this this whole process happen, right? And having a child. And not knowing where to step in, right? What role to fill. They know that, you know, I'm I'm the father, but what does that really mean? Right. Right. And so too often they kind of turn that authority over to their wives, you know, that they know what's best for the children. Here's a secret. Just because we carried that baby in our body doesn't mean we know what we're doing. But we, we're forced to figure it out because somebody has to and you're usually right. the one home because you're recovering. And so you look like you know what you're doing, but really you're just learning as you go as well. Women. Right. You know. And so you're, you're both kind of like the, the blind leading the blind, uh, but men tend to just you know turn that, that authority over to their wives thinking that they know what's best. And, and I think women take that authority as well. Once they figured something out, they're, they want to coach their husbands and here's how you should do it. And, you know, guys have their own way of doing things. And if women could back off and let them fumble a little bit, just like women do, but, you know, 
because they have to figure it out. Let the guy figure it out. Nothing bad's going to happen if he takes his kid and, you know, so what? what what's the worst thing's going to happen if their clothes don't match or whatever, you know? But all of these conversations, they require a level of emotional vulnerability, being able to, you know, open up and talk about your insecurities, right? Your fears and maybe your hurts, right? And for all you listening out there, you, you should also be aware of the fact that, you know, when we are reaching into that vulnerable place within, it is very childlike. Yeah. Absolutely. And it is going to sound selfish. It is going to sound like a little child having a temper tantrum because that's how we all are in our emotional being. Right. And that those old deep wounds, we and it's our hindbrain, right? That when that's feeling all that. And so we act like little kids when we're hurting. And we have temper tantrums and cry and say mean things. And we take it out on our partner. Yeah. And so the tendency is for couples to avoid that, right? They, who wants to go through that? It's a very painful thing to experience. Mm-hmm. And so what they do is they start closing up. They start, you know, hiding behind the wall and keeping their feelings to themselves. The intention initially is is good. I don't want to, you know, cause any pain in my partner. I don't want my partner to get angry. I don't want my partner to be hurt or then to be angry with me, right? And so... I'm going to keep the stuff to myself. I'm going to keep my feelings to myself. I'm going to suck it up. And then it, it's going to be better, right? It's going to it could decrease the amount of conflict between the two of us. Wrong. It doesn't work that way. You know, I think we need to say a little bit about safety in relationships, you know, and emotional safety. Hopefully there's physical safety. That should be a given. But that that emotional safety of feeling judged and and rejected and that your person has your back because the act of having sex requires one person to be submissive and to and, and to let their guard down in order to have at least intimate sex you can obviously have sex without being submissive and without softening so right. to speak but if you're really talking about a deep, intimate connection, there has to be the letting go and the letting down and the letting in of another person, which is scary and vulnerable. Absolutely. And that is a very difficult thing for men to do since they've been taught to keep their feelings to themselves and really to funnel all emotions that they might experience into a select few. You know, select few being like anger or frustration or vengeance. You know, those those feelings are are always reinforced in media and Hollywood and in messages all around society. It's but, like it's like having sex without heart. Right. Right. But to connect with those more vulnerable, you know, primary mm-hmm. emotions like fear and insecurity and sadness. I mean, that's that's a very difficult thing for men to learn how to do. And it's a learning process. Right. Right. I mean, we were born, we came out of the womb, we were able to connect with those emotions. But over time, men are taught to disregard them, to not trust them, to not really connect with them. Right, that they're not useful. Right. And they're extremely necessary for intimacy. Absolutely. You know, I've been kind of thinking about this idea that, 
you know, when you're a young person and a single person and people say, how's your, how's your love life, you know, or how's your sex life? <laughs> and it seems like something that's yours by yourself. But after being in a relationship with somebody for 22 years, I think, I think it's ours now. I think it's our sex life and our relationship. And I think it's, it's a really hard thing to meld that and not just go take care of yourself somewhere or whatever you're doing with your needs and, and actually looking at the relationship couple personality that, that has this aspect and this whole part of that life that's in us. Well, it's like trying to paint a painting with another person. Right. Right. And you're using, you're both using just one hand. Yeah. It's a very difficult thing to do mm -hmm. to connect at that level, at that place, especially since it's not taught. Right. And if you look at, at the transitions of a relationship, so you go through that romance phase that lasts at nine months to two years, and then you go into commitment phase, right? right. And that's typically when, when couples get married or something like that. And then you go into transition phase. Mm. And I think most couples don't make it out of transition phase. That is a very difficult phase to go through. Mm -hmm. And if you can make it through transition phase, and that's where you are really working on these deeper feelings and those emotional wounds and those hurts and, and getting soft and, and connected to your partner at a really deep level, then you get to this thing that is called... True love. Yep, real love, right? Right. Real true love. And, you know, they've done studies, right? They, they looked at the biology of couples falling in love and, you know, what their hormone levels look like. And then they looked at people over time and they found that after a four-year period, there was a shift hormonally. And their belief was that, you know, if we lived back in the jungle or something it would be very difficult for a person to raise a child up until the age of four without another person. You know, just sleep and safety, right? And then there was another shift that happened after 10 years of a relationship. And their belief there was a 10-year-old potentially could be someone that could pass on their genetics. They were almost raised. They could survive. They had more emotional development. And then they looked at couples 25 years. And the 25-year couples had even better hormonal, yummy stuff than the couple that's in their romance phase. They actually corroborated that with PET scans in showing the, the areas of the brain that light up. And couples who had reached that area of, of real true love, the area in the brain that lights up for sexual excitement and recognition, you know, they lit up a lot more than couples who are in that romance, the initial romance stage. Yeah, yeah I, I feel that with you. And it's it's definitely different. And I, and I know there's been times in our relationship where I didn't feel much of that at all when we were very overwhelmed with life and, right. and the kids were smaller. I, you know, after Dean was born, I had a thyroid problem. So I'm sure that was a, a factor of it. I still have that, but I know that, you know, the more I work out and the more we spend time together, the more I think that part of my brain is lighting up. Well, you know, building a business together, raising kids, you know, dealing with, you know, just the initial struggles of being in a marriage, those all take a toll and they're all factors that lead to disconnection. And, you know, we... As we say, we don't teach it if we don't live it. And we've definitely gone through those challenges and learned from them. So we're able to recognize that 
in other couples and see that happening in their relationship and be able to help them navigate those difficult struggles as well. You know, when someone's in pain, you know, needs aren't being met, there's a disconnect, it doesn't feel good. There's two ways that we tend to deal with that. One thing we do is we seek comfort. And comfort hits our dopamine center, our reward pleasure. And we all see comfort in the same way. We see comfort by eating pizza and drinking and smoking and porn, sex kind of stuff. Those are immediate instant gratification things that lead to pleasure. But pleasure is very fleeting. It's very temporary. And all of those things that we do that bring us that pleasure actually break us down. You know, if you eat poorly, your body's going to get diseases. If you are just distracting yourself, you're not developing your mind, you're not, you're not connecting emotionally, you're just checking out. Plus, I mean, the association that's being made in the brain with those dopamine hits is that you need more. And so right. you're going to need more and more of those behaviors in order to feel good. And that feeling good feeling is going to be fleeting and it's going to fade. And one of the places that we are the most vulnerable in this dopamine system is our screens. Our screens, they can grab our attention and they can keep it for very long periods of time. I was babysitting my three-year-old nephew, who is this bright, energetic little guy. And the second the TV's on, he's a zombie. Mm -hmm. and it's amazing and so unnatural to see. And we all do it and we're all susceptible to it. And it takes away from the opposite of what you can do when you're in pain, which is discipline. You know, if if your back hurts and instead of comforting yourself and just taking a pain pill or whatever, you actually go to physical therapy and you start working out and you start exercising and you get stronger, it's painful up front, but then you get to this other place. And so when we're talking about this emotional pain, the discipline of making sure you are taking time to talk about your feelings with your partner, which is not fun. No. <laughs> you know, and... And taking, it usually happens at two in the morning. Right. By the way. It does for some reason. Or taking care of your body. All that stuff, challenging yourself to do something you didn't think you could do. That discipline leads to joy. And joy really feeds our soul. And it's a really big component of intimacy that I think is greatly lacking in our culture because we're so distracted. It, it is a lot easier to distract yourself, oh, to really tune absolutely. out, right? And, you know, there was an article that we wrote uh, a little bit ago where we we said, what's the first thing that you touch in the morning? Right. Right. And most often it is the phone. Most couples, they use their phone maybe for an alarm to wake themselves up or they're picking up the phone to take a look at what time it is or to see what the weather is, but they're not connecting with their partner, which is the most important connection that needs to be made at that point. And so if you think about that symbolically, where are you putting your energy? You're putting your energy first thing in the morning to everyone out there in the world. And they're usually problems like, oh, this email needs something or whatever. And you're instantly diving into somewhere not present. You're immediately starting your day in crisis mode. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, versus really connecting at that soul to soul level with your partner and starting your day out that way. If you remember when you were a kid and you would wake up in the morning and if you had the time to just sort of lay in bed and you sort of just start daydreaming and you start you know, 
creating your life. You know, and, and creating your life requires boredom. We have to be bored to get those creative juices flowing in our brains. And so if you're laying around with your partner and you don't have any distractions and maybe it's boring, you'll start creating something, which is really cool. And that creation leads to excitement and passion and new experiences. And, you know, it it's, it become like war buddies, right? Mm-hmm. You really connect at a place that you are not connecting with any other human being on the planet. For a very long period of time. You know, that that is something that you can't just go out and buy it or find it. It is a time thing. And all of those touch points along the way of connecting and going through different experiences and and being in pain together and celebrating together that it you know it's like it marinates and it and it simmers and it becomes something that you don't have when you're in the second year of marriage or the third year or the, even the 13th you know something right. that takes that 25 years but if you're not putting that in when you get to 25 years that is one of the danger times of for divorce because you lack a common vision your kids are gone now what Right. right, right. And and that emotional investment, as Jean said, you know, it does take time. But people are trying to, you know, kind of take a, a withdrawal, you know, where they don't have any investment. Right. Right. So they're trying to talk about the big ticket items and, and having fights about, you know, lack of communication and problems with the kids. And they don't have the foundation of that emotional connection to draw from. And it, it, it is going to go south. Absolutely. Right. You know, and I think that when you get to the point in your in your intimate life and you feel bored, you feel that boredom, you know, it it in things are so routine and there's there's not that new excitement being brought into the relationship because you're not doing new things and you're overwhelmed with everything. And so that boredom I think people think is a problem. But it isn't a problem. It's a precursor to the next level. And when you understand that your sexual life and your intimate life is developmental, it's only saying, hey, this needs some time feeding and care. Let's change this up. Let's figure something out. What do, what do we need to be doing different? And typically, if you're in that place right now where you feel bored, I really want you to think about how many minutes in the day are you actually touching your partner? Not much, probably, right? So to recap, emotional intimacy, physical intimacy, obviously are extremely important in a relationship. And if you're not investing in those areas in your marriage, your relationship will start deteriorating very much like a plant that is not being fed. So if you feel like there's some problems in your intimacy, make sure you talk about that with your partner. As difficult as it is, find some time alone and share with what you're feeling. It'll definitely increase your intimacy. And if you guys are both overwhelmed in your lives, then try to give each other some time for personal time to just rejuvenate yourself as an individual person and then be able to share that back into the relationship. And remember, just because you weren't doing this in the past, it doesn't mean that you can't start it now and moving forward. You know, have those quote unquote business meetings together to talk about your relationship and where you want it to go and where it is now. You know, your needs, both of your needs are valid. And 
you both are charged with finding a way to connect with each other so that you can provide those needs for each other. And here's a really big challenge. Turn off your screens. Turn off your phone. Turn off the TV. Get present in your life. And you'd be really surprised at what that does to your brain chemistry and you're wanting to actually have a relationship with a person who's in the room with you. We want to wholeheartedly thank you for joining us today and for listening to Couple Synergy. We hope that by you listening to this episode, it not only benefited your life, but also your relationship. For all of you listening, please subscribe to our podcast and please leave a review. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. For more information about Couple Synergy and our programs such as Relationship 101, the Couples Weekend Intensive, and our premier program called Couple to Couple, look us up online at couplesynergy.com. Until next time, synergize your life, synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Kedkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Kedkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez.